Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. The Search Quality Rater Guidelines updated, which is always an exciting time for me because we have learned so much about what it is that Google values in terms of quality by studying these guidelines. In this episode, I'm going to share briefly with you today five of the things that I found very, very interesting from the Quality Raters Guidelines update. The first thing we're going to talk about is that YMYL is more clearly defined. YMYL means your money or your life. And in the past, it's been kind of difficult to know in some cases whether the content that we're writing would be considered YMYL by Google. Well, uh, Google tells us that EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, is given more weight if Google determines that your topic is YMYL. Now this is, I say topic, because in the new guidelines, there are many places where Google has changed the words YMYL pages to say YMYL topics. And this is really important because it's not just your page that's considered YMYL. So why does this matter? It matters because we need to look at every page on our website and determine whether the topics that we're writing about have the potential to be YMYL. So Google gave us even more clarification on what they are looking for in terms of a YMYL topic. They gave us two definitions, and it's all about whether the topic has the potential to harm people. They say that uh, it could be considered YMYL if the topic itself is harmful or dangerous, or if the topic could cause harm if the content is not accurate or trustworthy. So if you have content on your website that fits this criteria, that potentially has the possibility of harming people, then you need to absolutely make sure that you have EAT to rank for it. I'm going to talk more about EAT as the guidelines actually give us a little bit more uh, direction in terms of what EAT is required to rank for certain topics. The next most interesting thing is that YMYL is measured on a spectrum. We used to say, oh, either your uh, content is YMYL or it's not. Google says it might be helpful to think of topics as clear YMYL, definitely not YMYL or something in between. And they give a, a whole chart of a bunch of examples, which I'd really encourage you to read. Uh, one that I'll share with you is if you were sharing on social media about Tide Pods. Do you remember that horrible challenge where kids were actually encouraged to eat Tide Pods and it caused children to die? This is a topic that has significant potential to harm people. Whereas if you were writing a post on hot sauce, a hot sauce challenge, that that, that uh, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable for people, uh, it's not likely to cause significant harm. I might question that. We've, we've caused significant harm to some people in our house with some hot sauce challenges, uh, but obviously not life-threatening harm uh, like uh, mentioned with the Tide Pods. And then they give an example of something that would clearly not be YMYL would be posting a music video. Uh, and so why does this matter? Again, every piece of content that you have, you need to be asked asking yourself, am I writing about something that could potentially cause harm to people? The next thing we're going to talk about is an interesting wording change that I really think points to Google using machine learning to determine ranking factors uh, in some cases, not all of the ranking factors. The old guidelines from October of 2021 said your ratings will be used. This is written to the quality raters themselves. Why are you doing these quality ratings? Your ratings will be used to measure how well search engine algorithms 
items are performing for a broad range of searches. And we know that quality raters are given two sets of searches, one with the current search results, one with the uh, proposed changes that a Google engineer wants to make. And they say, yes or no, are these better or worse? And that's based on their understanding of the quality raters guidelines. Um, and so the new version of the quality raters guidelines says, Ratings are also used to improve search engines by providing examples of helpful and unhelpful results for different sets of searches. To me, that points at Google using machine learning to determine what factors for different topics, for different types of intent uh, potentially, are important on this particular query or for this particular topic. Uh, in the guidelines or in the document that Google linked to to talk about why, uh, what, who the quality raters are, they actually have this very interesting paragraph that to me says the same thing. We use aggregated ratings to measure how well our systems are working to deliver helpful content around the world. In addition, ratings are used to improve our systems by giving them positive and negative examples of search results. My point in harping on whether or not Google is using machine learning to determine ranking factors is to say that gone are the days where we can reverse engineer Google's algorithms. Uh, I do think that links are still important for ranking in many aspects. They contribute to the site's authority. Uh, but I don't think links are everything now. And I think that a lot of the sites that were affected by the May Core update and the product reviews update, which we we're in the midst of one right now rolling out, are pages that uh, Google Google has machine learned what is important on these pages, whether or not these pages are high or low quality. The next thing that I found interesting was Google distilled down what's important for ranking or what's important for the quality raters to determine what's a good page to rank. Uh, and one is evaluating page quality. And second is evaluating whether a searcher's needs have been met. And for page quality, they're told to determine what is the purpose of the page. Is the page harmful? Does it have the potential to be harmful to users? And then they determine a rating, determining uh, what is the quality of the page based on the instructions in the quality raters guidelines. Um, they are also told then to assess whether a searcher's needs have been met. And this is a really difficult thing to do. They wanna determine what is the searcher's intent and rate it, determining uh, whether or not the page has met searcher intent. This is important. It's really important for us to understand intent beyond whether it's just a transactional page or an informational page. Um, maybe searchers are looking for a quick answer. And if they spend all sorts of time on your page and can't find their answer, then that's not necessarily a high quality page. For some topics, Searchers might be looking for an in-depth answer. And in that situation, spending all sorts of time on your page could be a sign of high quality for that page. And so what we need to do is we need to thoroughly understand what are we trying to deliver to searchers and how can we do it in a way that helps them to find the answer that they're looking for um, and not have to go on to look at other web pages as well. Uh, in some situations, it might be that the searcher's intent is to find an answer that, that uh, has expertise. 
Um, it might be that searchers want scientifically backed information. And for pages like that, it's very important that we properly cite scientific research, that we do everything we can to show searchers that this is trustworthy information. There was a really interesting tweet thread that I was involved in this week uh, where somebody was saying, why does The Guardian, so the, the news source, The Guardian, rank for the query life insurance for diabetics? And uh, I looked at this page and the, the person was saying, well, you know, we have a page that's actually written by doctors uh, that our whole website, the topic is about life insurance for diabetics. Why would Google want to show a page from The Guardian that isn't even written by a doctor? And I, I really think that uh, there's a balance. In Google's document on how search works, they tell us that they're trying to find the right balance of information relevance and authoritativeness. And in some situations, EAT is not about author bios. We've been so fixed on whether we have an author bio. I still think if it makes sense for searchers uh, to understand who your authors are, there's no harm whatsoever in putting an author bio on your page. But I saw another article recently that said, well, we added author bios to a bunch of pages and none of them improved, therefore EAT doesn't work. And these were all transactional pages where if I'm going to go buy a product, I don't necessarily need to see that whoever wrote the product page for this has an author bio. Um, what's more important in that situation would be that this website is known as being good at selling this product or that uh, this product is popular on the web. So there are many different things that determine what EAT is, which brings me to the next uh, subject, is that the guidelines actually give us a very concise explanation of what EAT is. Um, this document says that raters determine page quality rating by looking at a few things, reviewing the main content quantity and quality. So as a general rule, main content is considered high quality if it takes a significant amount of time, effort, expertise, or talent to create. And I think a lot of us are used to as SEOs trying to promote content that a content writer wrote that maybe they don't have any expertise in that area. And in some cases, perhaps if you get a quote from somebody with expertise, that can help. That might actually help readers say, oh yeah, okay, this content actually makes sense and is written by somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh, but in a lot of situations, Google is wanting to see that you have real life expertise on this topic that you're writing on. The next thing uh, that raters are told to do is to review the information that's available about the website and about the creator of the content themselves. Uh, and that, uh, again, speaks to popularity. The guidelines actually say that there are some topics that require less formal expertise. Uh, popularity, user engagement, or reviews might be more important than actually the author bio itself. And then the third thing that is important is uh, the raters are told to research the reputation of the website and the creator. And reputation might be uh, about reviews. You know, if people are leaving reviews all over the web saying that they can't get a refund or that your product is low quality, that's something that can speak into your EAT, your trustworthiness. Um, but I think what's more important is that there is a lot of information outside of your site from other people saying, yeah, this person knows their stuff. So when people are referencing you, when people write about the quality raters guidelines and maybe they link to my website, that's a sign to Google that I'm known for somebody who understands these guidelines. And so getting external references, getting people to talk about you as an expert on your topic is something that's very, very important. 
Google actually says in the Quality Raiders guidelines that for some topics, such as humor or recipes, which is the example that they give, less formal expertise might be fine. Uh, for these topics, they say popularity, user engagement, and user reviews can be considered evidence of reputation. For topics that need less formal expertise, websites can be considered to have a positive reputation if they're highly popular and well-loved for their topic or content type and are focused on helping users. I think some of us need to reformulate our idea on what EAT is. It really all comes down to uh, the type of content that Google wants to rank is content that is high quality and meets user intent. Now, if you are still confused because uh, I've tried to sum up in a very brief time uh, what the Quality Raiders guidelines take 167 pages to do, here's the things that I would recommend doing. Number one, I would recommend reading the Quality Raider guidelines. I've linked to it in the description and uh, they're 167 pages, but they're super, super interesting. There's all sorts of examples that Google gives along with screenshots of high quality content and low quality content. So you should definitely read that. Um, number two, I have a book that I've written on how we, uh, my team and I, uh, assess websites based on the information in the Quality Raiders guidelines. We used to sell this book for $99 and we sell uh, quite a few copies of it every week, uh, but we've reduced the price of that to $20 now because a new version is going to be coming out later this year and uh, the current version is still, still very valuable, um, but we've decided to reduce the price, so I'll leave a link where you can buy that. Uh, and then number three is to read Google's blog post on what site owners should know about core updates and also their blog post on product reviews. This gives very specific questions that you can try to answer if relevant for your website to produce content that is considered high quality by Google's algorithms. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, I would greatly appreciate if you could like this video or audio if you're listening to it on uh, Spotify and, uh, and subscribe. Then you can get notified whenever I produce a new video. I'm going to be producing a lot of content on the Quality Raiders guidelines, on product reviews updates as well. If you are interested in those topics, I'd love for you to leave me a comment on what you'd like me to talk, talk about and to learn about as well. So thanks from, so much for listening and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.